In this episode, I shall be sharing my thoughts around comments made by Keir Starmer and Labour's pledge to introduce lessons specifically aimed at boys to teach them how to behave and how to respect girls and women. Hello and welcome to Thoughts of a Bearded Man. I'm your host, Graham Newman. And before I get into this episode and the content of this episode, firstly, I just want to say to you all, I'm really, really sorry. Um, it's taken far too long to get this episode sorted out and to get it recorded and to get it out to you guys. Um, the key to having any sort of successful project is consistency over time. Um, and without that consistency, it's just not going to happen. So <clears throat> I apologize to all of you. Um, hopefully, you're still interested in what I've got to say. Hopefully, you'll still listen to this episode. Um, so with that out of the way, let's get into this episode. So <clears throat> you heard that right in the intro. So Keir Starmer and the Labour Party are suggesting that if they were to come into power, they will introduce to the national curriculum behavioural classes which will be specifically aimed at boys to cut sexual violence and harassment, as well as teaching boys how to respect girls and women. Now, in the interest of context, fairness and balance, I would like to point out that this proposal was put forward as part of a bigger conversation concerning the issue of drink spiking and the Labour Party's desire to bring into law a specific offence of spiking. The following is taken from the Independence article on the matter written by Archie Mitchell. Quote, Figures from police forces in England and Wales show that there were nearly 5,000 reported needle and drink spikings between September 2021 and September 2022. Almost two-thirds of reports happen at weekends and more than half of the incidents take place in pubs, bars and clubs. End quote. So Keir Starmer is quoted in the same article as saying that spiking is a, quote, a pernicious, dangerous and hateful crime, end quote. And I completely agree with him. In fact, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find any decent, law-abiding, honest-to-goodness human being who wouldn't agree with such a statement. So with that context in mind, the idea of tackling the crime of spiking is of course a good thing, and I would welcome harsh penalties for anyone who would engage in such activities. But back to the matter in hand, and this idea around lessons specifically aimed at boys to teach them how to behave and respect girls and women. <clears throat> now on the face of it, that doesn't seem like a bad thing, right? The idea of teaching people to be kind and considerate to one another, to be respectful of the many wonderful and different things that make us all unique, and to behave in a way that is positive and harmonious, that allows every one of us to feel safe, that allows space for boundaries and freedom of expression. That all sounds fantastic, right? But here's my question. Why is this being aimed specifically at boys and men as a whole? Furthermore, I would go on to say that, as well-intentioned as this proposal is, it only deals with a symptom of the issue. It does not address the cause, which, to my mind, is the increased attacks on and destruction of the traditional family nucleus, as well as a sustained narrative of toxic masculinity. Have you ever heard of the saying, it takes a village to raise a child? The phrase originates from an African proverb, the concept being that it takes more than just the biological parents to raise a child. It takes a community. <coughs> Many years ago, that community or village-led idea of collective responsibility and ownership was very much alive and well. I'm sure we all have been regaled with stories from our grandparents feeling that it was safe to leave the doors unlocked. That everyone knew the name of the local Bobby and woe betide you if you ever drew the attention of one. You'd likely receive a thick ear from the copper and then another from your father when you got home. 
getting an appointment with your GP was not a battle of wheels with the receptionist and you knew who your bank manager was. But our idea of community has shrunk and in many cases is no longer really existent at all, at all. And with certain woke ideologies, the idea of handing your children over to the quote unquote village to raise may no longer be in your child's best interest. But I digress. Raising a child has now become a somewhat more isolated endeavour. If the idea of a village exists now, it's little more than parents, siblings, grandparents and whatever other extended family you may spend time with outside of weddings, funerals and Christmas. One of the most important and overlooked roles in the development of a child is that of a father and or positive male role model. Over the years, there have been plenty of studies which highlight the effect of absent fathers and male role models in a child's life and development, the impact of which is felt by both boys and girls alike. Often the question is asked, is there a connection between young people growing up in fatherless homes and young people involved in youth crime and gang violence? The answer, unsurprisingly, is yes. 76% of young men in prisons in England and Wales had absent fathers, and that was taken from the Prison Reform Trust, a report done in 2013. So goodness knows how high that figure is today in 2023. An article created by Lyric Goff for the organisation Act Sick, that's CIC, listed 10 potential consequences of a father deficit. One, behavioural problems. Two, relationships. Three, poor academic performance. Four, exploitation and abuse. Five, self-esteem. Six, youth crime and gang violence. Seven, young pregnancy and promiscuity. Eight, drug and alcohol abuse. Nine, mental health problems. And ten, life opportunities. The article also listed specific effects that a fatherless or lack of positive male role model has on girls and young women. 1. Fatherless daughters can have self-esteem issues. 2. Are more likely to have eating disorders. 3. Are more prone to depression. 4. Will struggle to build and maintain relationships. 5. Are more likely to become sexually active earlier. and 6. Can develop an addiction. Noted in both lists, the absence of a positive male figure in a child's life increases the chances of earlier engagement in sexual activities and the chances of young pregnancies. It also clearly increases the chances that a child, more likely boys, will gravitate towards gangs. This is because they are searching for a man to lead them, someone that they can look up to, aspire to, and in the case of John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart, boys are looking for an answer to a question that burns in all men and boys. And that question is, do I have what it takes? To be honest with ourselves, you have probably asked yourself that question in one guise or another. Do you have what it takes? Do you have what it takes to be brave? Do you have what it takes to be a man? Do you have what it takes to be a leader? You've probably asked yourself that question. Now, <clears throat> a note here about John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart. I do not mention it here to suggest that John Eldridge is in support of boys joining gangs. He certainly isn't, but simply that in the book Wild at Heart, John Eldridge points out that all boys and indeed men are seeking to answer that question. Remember it, do I have what it takes? In a stable, traditional family nucleus, a child can look to his or her parents for the answer to that question. And more likely they're going to look to their father to answer that question. <clears throat> because let's be perfectly honest, 
as a man, you're more likely to take risks. You know, you're more likely as a boy to climb a tree than what a girl is. Now, I'm not saying there's not tomboys out there. If there are any women listening to this and suddenly get offended by that, I'm not saying that there aren't girls out there who will take just the same sort of risks, that will climb the trees, that will go out and scramble a bike, that will just do crazy things. But more often than not, it's boys that are doing silly, crazy things, right? And they are taking those risks. And nine times out of 10, they'll take those risks because they want to look to their father and ask that question, do I have what it takes? So sadly, without a genuine father, father figure or positive role model to seek this validation from, boys and young men turn to gangs where their need and want to belong is more often than not exploited and abused. And girls and young women are not immune to the lure of gangs either. Though for young women, the pull of a gang is usually connected to their longing to be involved in a relationship with an older man. Seeing as how girls mature faster than boys, they generally look for relationships with boys or men older than themselves. <coughs> but make no mistake, once ensnared, the exploitation and abuse begins. Now this bit's going to get a bit difficult to hear for some of you, but you're going to have to bear with me. The initiation ceremonies into gangs for young women usually involve some form of sexual act with either the gang leader, a gang member or multiples thereof. It's usually filmed as the knowledge of the act being filmed is a way for the gang to exert and maintain control over that girl. They'll threaten to release the video if the young woman were ever to step out of line or wish to leave the gang. Now look, if you think I don't know what I'm talking about, I can assure you I do. My last vocation required training with regards to gangs and their coercive tactics. You might think that this strengthens the argument for such lessons to be taught in school, and I don't disagree that young people should be educated regarding the dangers they potentially face. But I do not agree that such education should be solely down to the school system or mandated by government, and it certainly shouldn't just be focused at boys and young men. After all, who would decide on what content these lessons would cover? Who would deliver the lessons? Would a female teacher be expected to teach young boys and adolescent men what it means to be a man? I mean, how could she? With all due respect, ladies, she has no idea what it means to be a man. None of you women have no idea what it means to be a man. The same as how a man could not possibly try and teach a young woman what it means to be a woman. Because we just don't know. We don't understand that transition from girl to womanhood. And you don't understand the transition from boy to manhood. It's as simple as that. So what are we to do? Well, men, you are to step up. You are to find purposeful meaning in the burden of your responsibility as a father or perhaps a positive uh, male role model. You need to recognize the importance of your role. Do not assume that your mere presence is enough. You don't get points for just showing up. You can still be an absent father even if you are still physically present. So really think about that, guys. If you are one of these guys who is lucky to still be present in your child's life full time, really think about really think about it from a point of view of you may very well be physically present and you may be thinking that's enough. I'm telling you now it's not enough. And if if that's hit home with you, then maybe even stop the podcast right here. Go and spend some time thinking about that. You know, I'm a strong advocate for journaling. Go and grab a notebook. Maybe write that down. Am I present with my kids? And then maybe write down what you think, what comes to your mind, because it's not enough to just physically be there. There are some absent dads who are more present in their kids' lives than those who are physically there all the time. 
But anyway, <clears throat> while we're on the question of asking yourself questions, ask this one right now. Do my actions set an example to my daughter of the kind of man that I would be happy for her to be in a relationship with? Some of you may be thinking, well, my daughter is too young to be thinking about that right now. If that is you evading this question, make no mistake, your daughter is watching how you behave, how you act, how you treat her mother, how you treat her. She is absorbing all of it and how you are behaving and how you are acting and how you are treating her, treating her mother, treating people out on the street, your neighbor, your parents, work colleagues, the list is endless. How you are showing up is teaching her how she should expect men to show up in her life. So if you are showing up in a poor way, you can expect her to look for other people. Other, I'm not going to say men because men who show up in a poor way are not men. They're boys. We've covered that in previous episodes. But she's going to look to people who are going to treat her in the way that she has been accustomed to being treated. Okay. So really ask yourself that question. How are you showing up? And are your, and, and, and are your actions setting an example of the kind of guy that you would want your daughter to be in a relationship with when the time comes. <clears throat> if you only have boys, then ask it this way. Do my actions set an example to my son of the kind of man another father would be happy for his daughter to be in a relationship with? Now, if you answer no to that question, then you will need to take serious infantry on how you are showing up in your relationships with your wife or significant other. Okay? How are you showing up as a father? If you're answering no to those questions, it's now time to take stock. Okay. If you're answering yes, great. But don't take your foot off the gas. Really think about how you're showing up and think about how you can possibly do better. So, moving on. <clears throat> In the relative ease of our modernity, it is, it is simply not enough to think that your role as husband and father is to earn the money to keep the roof over your family's head food on the table and clothes on their back. Now, I'm not suggesting that it isn't a very important role. Indeed, it is a key cornerstone that you should instill with your children, not to mention that despite the constant changing of traditional gender roles, as men, we still feel the very heavy weight of the burden to be the sole provider. So your actions should also be that you are showing your, your kids how you are to be that provider. And I know that's a really difficult balancing act, guys, because we want to be present with our kids. We want to be present with our wives, our significant other. But we also recognize that we need to go to work and that we need to work the hours to earn the money because that's a really important role for us, guys. Yes, the world is changing. OK, women are taking bigger, better jobs a lot of the time. And that's a great thing. It's great to see women excelling. It's great to see women into excelling in business, sports, whatever you want to say, right? It, 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 it's fantastic. But us men, we're still, we're not going to get away from this idea that we should be the sole provider of the household. We should be the ones out there working hard, sweat of our brow, strength of our back stuff, and bringing home the money to support our wives and our kids. So it's a really difficult balancing act. And I think that's an episode for another time. Um, in fact, I'll cover that a bit towards the end of this episode. But, we're, you know, I'm going to look to do some episodes coming up where we're going to talk about some of these things and definitely balance. It, it, it's, it's a big topic, but we'll cover that another time. <clears throat> so 
with the traditional gender roles being challenged all the time, it's no bad thing. As men, we need to embrace these changes, educate and equip ourselves to be more than just the main breadwinner. You need to become an engaged, supportive, communicative and loving father. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that you're not that already. Okay. But maybe some of you are listening to this and you're going, yeah, maybe I'm not. Maybe I have dropped the ball there. And if you have, okay, look, it's not to beat you up. Hopefully it's to empower you and to get you thinking. That's all I'm trying to do here. Okay. And so that leads me on to this point. Because here I've got a few key points that I want to share with you that I believe are important in striving towards being the best father that you can be. And in many cases, the best husband or partner, even just a friend, to be perfectly honest. So let's just go through them. The first one is keep your word. This really should be a key principle to your masculinity in any case. If you say you're going to do something, then it's absolutely imperative that you follow through on your word. Or after all, I'm sure you've heard it said, quote, an honest man's word is as good as his bond, end quote. And that was said by Miguel de Cervantes. But why is it important to your child? Your word to your child is a promise, a promise that you will spend time with them, engage in their world and their activities. Or it could be a promise of a reward for behaving well or achieving good results in school. These examples and many more help your kids to understand the building blocks of trust in a relationship and provide them with a solid foundation upon which they upon which they will go on to model all further relationships from work to home to friendships and romantic relationships. By setting an example of keeping your word or your promises, you are equipping them for their adult life to not only follow in your footsteps, but also to expect the same from those that they will form relationships with. And that's really important. Okay, it's really important that not only do they follow in your footsteps and the good example that you've set, but it's that they also start to expect that from other people. Their standards will be high and whoever they end up spending their life with, whether that's romantically, at work, friendships, whatever, they are going to have a high standard for those people that they join with. And that's a good thing because I'm sure you've heard it said as well, you know, the rising tide rises all boats, something like that. Okay. So your kid could be that. They could be the rising tide that brings up all boats. I'm sure it said better than that. But anyway, I digress again. Look, none of us are perfect. And I'm sure we have all made promises that we didn't keep. And those promises may seem insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Maybe you promised to play football once you got finished with work. Or you promised to paint and draw with your kids. Or go to the park. But, you know, you just run out of time. Or something else came up. No big deal, right? But it is. Whether you realise it or not, you have broken your child's trust. Your words and promises begin to lose the weight of their significance. And if they can't trust you to do what you said you would, well, who can they trust? That leads me on to my next point, which is don't make promises you can't or won't keep. Now, you may think, well, you've just said that. So why are you going to say this? Well, yeah, some points are going to cross over. But this is also very important. So. As I've already said, you may think this is redundant. I've already covered it in the first point. And for the most part, I have. But it can be expanded upon. As parents, it's very easy for us to fob our kids off with a promise that, as you say it, you know you can't keep it. Or worse, had no intention of keeping it in the first place. It was a stall and nothing more. We've all done it, okay? Again, this is not to beat anybody up. We've all done it. 
In fact, how many times have you done this in other relationships in your life? Maybe with your wife, a friend, a colleague, a boss. You've made a promise to do something knowing full well that you can't or won't. Playing for, playing for time and stalling may very well be the tactic of a wrung out parent. And I don't mean to seem like I'm criticising. Raising kids is an arduous job. <clears throat> and sometimes you just need some time to yourself. But fobbing your child off only kicks the can down the road. You'll have to deal with them eventually. Only now you may be dealing with a tantrum because you promised something that you didn't deliver. Be honest with your kids. If they're asking for something that you know you can't give them at that moment, don't say maybe later if it's not going to happen. Tell them so. I know that that's not necessarily easy because kids aren't always going to understand. <clears throat> but I'm sure that you can find a way to communicate with your kid where you can tell them that, look, I can't do that right now. OK, it might be that your kid comes up to you and says, Daddy, can we go and play football? And you might need to just turn around to him and say, I can't go and play football right now, son. It's really important that I get on with what I'm doing. Again, that shows them that there are other things that you have going on in your life that are important as well. It might be a project that you're needing to get finished. It might be that you've promised your wife that you're going to do something in the house, or it might be that you're trying to get something finished for work. They need to see that you uphold your word and your promises elsewhere as well. So you need to find a way that you can communicate that to them. They do understand more than what we give them credit for. Okay, so just be really careful about the maybe later or making those promises that you know you won't or can't keep. So my second point is quality time means no screen time. <clears throat> you may assume that I'm about to bang on about not allowing your kids to just sit in front of the telly or to be on their tablets or their phones or their game consoles all day, every day. I mean, granted, you shouldn't. But in fairness, that mantra has been done to death. So no, it's not the point I'm going to make. It is you who needs to think about how much attention you are giving to your screens rather than to your kids. The other day I saw a parent walking down a pavement next to a busy high-speed road. The parent was head down in their phone while their child, some distance behind them, yes, behind the parent, not even in front of them, where the parent may have been able to react to a, develop, to a developing hazard or danger, but behind. This kid was playing and running about, oblivious to the dangers of the vehicles whizzing past. It would have only taken for that child to have stumbled in their excited play and fallen out into the traffic for a normal day to just become a horrendous one. Your children should be the most important thing to you, and they are certainly more important than your phone or your tablet. Put it down. You aren't missing anything. Well, except your child growing up, of course, you're missing that. <clears throat> set boundaries that's my next point set boundaries perhaps you are noticing that many of these key points <clears throat> are not just good advice for showing up as a good father but showing up as a genuine man in life setting boundaries is real is a really important skill to have in life it fosters self-discipline safety and coping mechanisms but in order to do so you need to have a solid idea around what your key values morals and principles are what is acceptable and what isn't this will help you as parents to set out rules and limits there are many parents out there now that speak to the idea of boundaries rules and discipline as being not necessary to a child's development and that is utter nonsense children need boundaries 
They need to know what is expected of them and how they should conduct themselves in social situations. In fact, kids thrive when they have boundaries. Kids thrive when they have discipline in their life, routine, stability. This helps them to develop emotionally and to discern what is and isn't appropriate behavior. And remember, that goes back to the fact that once they get a good, solid idea in their head of what that looks like, then they will expect that from the people that they go on to form relationships with. There's a great article on this with further tips that can be found at Growing Early Minds website. And a link for this will, have, will be in the show notes. <clears throat> So it's okay to say no. So I want to just throw a quote in here, which says this, quote, I'm disinclined to acquiesce to your request. It means no. And I'm really pleased I managed to get that part of the Caribbean quote in there because I absolutely love Barbosa's character, but I digress once again. So it is okay to say no. Saying no builds character. And I suppose we could leave it there. But there is more to the power of no than simply character building. Dr. David Walsh, PhD, the founder of the National Institute on Media and the Family, says today's parents are almost allergic to saying no. Quote, they think somehow it's hurting their kids and worry about their self-esteem. End quote. In his new book, Know Why Kids of All Ages Need to Hear It and Ways Parents Can Say It. Now, it's interesting that his book, I've not read his book. I literally, it's just that quote that I've seen. But it, it's gonna, be, it'll be an interesting book to read, and I'm sure I will at some point. <clears throat> but it's interesting that he, his title of his book is "Know Why Kids of All Ages Need to Hear It." Ties in something that I've said before in a previous episode. I've mentioned it here in this episode as well. Just because you look at somebody as an adult doesn't necessarily mean that they are an adult. Now, I'm not talking about mental health. I'm not talking about all these other things out there, autism, ADHD, all of those things that could suggest that, you know, you're ultimately a child in an adult's body and all the rest of it. It's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that there are plenty of people out there who just just aren't really adults. They haven't become adults yet. They're just they're still they're still kids in themselves because much of this may have been missing in their life. You know, people didn't keep their words to them, didn't keep their promises to them, didn't set boundaries, didn't have discipline in their life, didn't have stability. And so they didn't grow into what an adult should be. And so they can't hear the word no. There are plenty of adults out there right now who do not understand the word no. So it is really, really important to understand and be okay with saying no. We can all agree that saying no to your kids is possibly one of the hardest things to do, particularly if they look up to you with their adorable eyes and their best pleading faces that they can muster. Listen, children are experts in manipulation. Make no mistake about that. And if you think I'm talking nonsense, go and listen to Dr. Jordan Peterson. He will explain to you just how skilled kids are at manipulation. So the reluctance to say no does not come from the desire to have an easy life, but moreover, it comes from a desire to see your child happy. Many of our parents had to put up with whining requests for sweets or the age old battle in the cereal aisle. So, you know, please, mum, can we get this one? It's got a toy in it. We've all done it. Okay, let's be perfectly honest. But as parents today, we are facing struggles that our parents didn't have to deal with. Social media targets children through very clever advertising and in many respects these tactics 
put pressure on parents to provide their children with the latest of whatever they are selling. So whether that's the phone, whether that's a tablet, games console, trainers, whatever it is. So couple that with the rise of the immediacy for, for pretty much everything from Amazon deliveries to fast food at the touch of a button. And all of us, all of us have lost the skill of delayed gratification. For the most part, we simply won't accept no for an answer. That's why it's so important to instill the positivity of no in your kids early. So <clears throat> next point is to follow through with your consequences. I'm going to count to three. One, two, two and a half. We've all done it. The comedian Jason Manford summed this up beautifully in one of his stand-up shows where he talked about disciplining his daughters using the count to three method. When he said, you say two, two and a half, and both of you are thinking the same thing. What comes after three? Because let's be honest, we haven't the faintest idea of what's coming after three, and our kids know we've got nothing. Remember, really, really skilled at manipulation. The first time you used it may have worked but they cotton on real quick that you've got nothing after three. That's mostly because we've probably got a track record of never really following through of any consequences that we put out there for our kids effectively. <clears throat> that leaves us as paper, as paper tigers. Not that we want our children to be fearful of us, and we don't want to alienate a father's role here or undermine a mother's by uttering the immortal words of you just wait till your father gets home. You know, that's one of those things that we probably heard more as kids. And maybe it's not something that's said quite so much these days. I don't know, to be perfectly honest. But it's certainly a good way of alienating the father figure in the home and also um, undermining the mother's role um, by saying you wait till your fathers get home, you're, you, you know, you're almost creating this monster of a man that's going to come home and do what exactly? Give you a beating, lock you in your room, lock you in the cellar, lock you under the stairs like Harry Potter. You know, it's not a good tactic. But be honest with yourself. How many times have you, quote unquote, threatened a consequence, such as a conversation of a phone, a tablet, a games console, TV time, etc., etc., when push came to shove, you never saw it through. Look again, I'm gonna I'm gonna point out something I've pointed out a number of times here. I'm not criticizing anyone. Okay, parenting is a tough job, and I'm sure that on many occasions it has just been easier to give in just for a bit of peace. But if we don't follow through because we don't want to be the bad guy, the one that is always saying no or punishing poor for poor behaviour, we are setting our kids up to fail. Look, I know we feel guilty. If we make our kids cry and perhaps even think that maybe we are the ones who are in the wrong. Much of society reinforces this belief with many parents adopting an attitude of not disciplining their children at all, choosing rather to speak softly on their level and explain why it makes mummy or daddy feel sad when they behave a certain way. But don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting you should become the screaming drill, drill sergeant with your kids. But you are the adult in this scenario and like it or not, kids respond positively to clearly define boundaries and discipline. Said it earlier, they do. They respond positively to it and they thrive from it, okay? Discipline is not a bad thing. A lot of times people hear the word discipline and they assume what you're doing is you're grabbing a cane. It's not what I'm talking about. Discipline does not need to be physical. 
right? So let's make that really, really clear, just in case there's someone out there who thinks that's what I'm advocating for. I'm absolutely not. Discipline does not need to be physical abuse or anything in that of that kind of nature. Okay. So <clears throat> now my dad once explained to me that a dog does not know its name. It does not come to you because you call it by name. So if there are people out there who have dogs and are sitting there now thinking you're talking absolute nonsense, Graham, my dog does know its name. I'm sorry to disappoint you. It absolutely doesn't. Okay. Your dog or a dog is responding to the sound and tone of your voice. If your tone is pleasant, the dog will more often than not wag its tail and be happy to see you and will carry out any command given or gratefully accept a treat. But if your tone is harsh, make no mistake, that dog knows it is in trouble. It recognises that it has done something wrong. Now look, I'm not suggesting that children are like dogs. The point is simply that the harsh word spoken or harsh tone will communicate to a child that their current behaviour is not acceptable. And if it is followed up with the consequences that has been put forward, should they continue to behave this way, you would more likely as not find that the child would learn to cooperate within the boundary set. I'm not suggesting that at some point it wouldn't be a good idea to calmly and quietly explain to them why you are angry or upset. Indeed, this is important as it helps the child to understand how they should be conducting themselves, not only within the confines of their own environment, but within the wider community as a whole. But to not follow through with consequences is actually a disservice to your kids. You are setting them up to fail. And remember, at the end of the day, an undisciplined child becomes an undisciplined adult. And we have plenty of them out there right now. We have plenty of undisciplined adults out there right now. Some of them are in custody already. Some of them will end up in custody. Some of them are living very, very poor lives. And it's because they haven't been brought up with that discipline, structure and stability and boundaries in their life. Now, I know that it's not necessarily as simple as that. There are obviously an awful lot of things that can happen in somebody's life that will affect the way they behave. Just recently, Deli Ali did a, um, an interview on, I believe it was Gary Neville's podcast. I can't remember the name of that podcast where he um, opened up about abuse that he received as a child. He was sexually abused by his mother's friend, um, I believe at the age of six or something. Obviously, that's going to have a negative impact on his life and the way that he sees the world. OK, but he was adopted at the age of 12, I believe, and he was given structure stability discipline and boundaries from that family and he went on to be a professional footballer now it doesn't mean he hasn't struggled he clearly has and he's now seeking the help that he needs to get through some of the issues that have plagued his life but he still had those he still had that structure around him and he was then able to go on and be successful maybe his career's not been as successful as he would have liked but he still made something of himself despite his poor start in life which had nothing to do with him right but look what he was able to achieve so if anyone wants to turn around to me and say no disciplines you know it's overrated etc nonsense utter nonsense <clears throat> finally one other point that i would like to say is that it's really important to say sorry to your kids a lot of parents don't think that's important but like we mentioned earlier none of us are perfect we all make mistakes and it's really, really important for your kids to see that you are capable of making mistakes. And not only are you capable of making those mistakes, but you are also you also have enough substance of you to 
be able to turn around and admit when you were wrong and say sorry when it's appropriate to say sorry. Because once again, it is giving your kids a really good example of how you how you can admit that you're wrong and how you can step up and say you're sorry and then make amends for whatever it was that you did. And if you show them that and set that example to them, then they are going to go out into the world and they are going to be able to do exactly the same thing. And once again, expect it from other people. And that can only lead to better relationships. So it's really, really important to say sorry. Okay. Now you may be thinking, okay, that's all great, Graham. You know, you've got some, you've got some good, interesting points there. Um, some of you may even be feeling a bit annoyed. And as I said, I'm not trying to tell you how to raise your kids. It's certainly not what I'm trying to do. It's just literally trying to bring out some key points that not only will help to be the father that I hope you'll want to be, but also the husband and the friend and the employee and whatever else you want to describe yourself as hopefully it just you know it, it gives you some framework to what you want to be in this life but you may be thinking well what has this got to do with how this episode started with regards to these lessons that Sakir Starmer and the Labour Party are talking about well one of the things that I want to do with this podcast is to really highlight men's mental health and to be positive about men's mental health and to move the needle in people's lives so that you know men's mental health can be improved upon and the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because it's hard enough for our kids nowadays with regards to everything else that is going on around them we've already touched upon social media we've talked about the pressure of social media listen when we went to school if we were being bullied or if we had a bad day in school or whatever you know fell out with a friend whatever it was we could get away from it. Home was a safe environment because we could get away from it. Nobody could get hold of us. Look, we didn't live in the dark ages. We got to a point where we have mobile phones. So it started to encroach on our lives. But social media wasn't such a big thing back then. Okay. We weren't on Facebook. We weren't being constantly, con we weren't constantly contactable. So once we went, got away from school and got away from whatever was going on there, we were away from it. We got some peace, but kids are not getting that nowadays. If they are being bullied, the bully can still reach them through Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and goodness knows whatever other social media platforms, Instagram, um, whatever other social media platforms are out there. Because I'm sure there are, I'm sure I'm showing my age now because there's a whole load more that I don't even know about, to be perfectly honest. But the kids do, um, and they're on them. And so it's really, really important as parents, you check in with your kids with regards to what they're doing online, because we all know that there are predators out there. We all know that there are sexual predators out there that will try and target your kids through online activity. But there are also other predators out there, kids in school who are bullying them, that will try and con continue to bully them through all their social media platforms. So make sure you're checking in with what your kids are doing online. Okay, don't just assume that they're fine on their screen. Don't just assume that they're fine behind the closed door on their computer. All right, make sure you check in with them. But here's why it's important. <clears throat> with everything that's going on in the world today you know from from social media now ai is becoming a thing um and also with regards to the constant fluidity of gender roles and this somewhat seemingly agenda to really push certain woke ideologies onto kids 
it's no wonder that our kids are confused. It's no wonder that they are, you know, quietly sort of pulling their hair out because they just don't necessarily understand where they fit in our world today because they've got so much information coming at them. Some information which, quite frankly, they're too young to be experiencing or even absorbing right now. They don't know how to understand it. They don't know how to process it. And so with regards to men's mental health specifically, and let's not forget, we're in July now, but June, we all know what goes on in June. It's Pride Month, right? Okay, fine. Not going to get into a big, long conversation about that. But it was Pride Month all of June, right? Do you know what else was going on in June? Do you know what else else was meant to be uh, prevalent during the month of June and, and raise awareness during the month of June? The month of June is also meant to be for men's mental health. And some of you may be listening to that and going, I didn't know that. Well, no, of course you didn't know that because it got drowned out by everything else that was going on in the month of June. And it always does get drowned out. And let's be perfectly honest. I've already mentioned Delhi Alley, right? Now, all of a sudden, Delhi Alley comes out with his interview with Gary Neville. And of course, everybody's supportive of him. And that's great. But it's because it's trending, it's because it's hashtagging, it's because it raises your profile. When I'm talking about your profile, I'm talking about the celebrities. They start talking about it because it's trending right now. And it's really trendy to be talking about men's mental health because a celebrity, someone famous, has suddenly turned around and said, oh, yeah, do you listen, I've been struggling with my, with, my, with my mental health. And that's no bad thing. But it very soon slips away. I mean... For instance, we've had a recent scandal with regards to Hugh Edwards, which doesn't help my case here, admittedly. But Hugh Edwards, who is the BBC presenter that was found to be uh, paying for sexually explicit uh, pictures from a teenager. Now, I'm not going to get into it because, you know, the police have decided there's no criminal activity there and the BBC is still investigating it. And quite frankly, I'm just like, do you know what? Forget it. Not interested. He, um, his wife has turned around and said that he's been struggling with his mental health. And okay, fine. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I'm not mentioning anything in relation to that. <clears throat> but because he uh, has had what's happened to him, you know, it, it, it's trendy to be talking about men's mental health. But very soon it will slip into the ether once again because there'll be something else trending on the news that suddenly everybody's jumping on the bandwagon of. And here's the thing. Men are struggling with their mental health. There are men in your life, it's, maybe it's even you, who are struggling with their mental health and they just don't know how to communicate it to people. They don't know how to turn around to their wife or their significant other and say, I am struggling and I need help because it's not what us guys do and it's not how we've been brought up. But if you couple that now with this idea of having these lessons shoved into young boys and young men's faces, that effectively what they're saying is, you are going to be a predator because you were born a boy because you were born a man you are going to be a predator i mean you know what are we suggesting here are we making an inference that once your father's sperm joined with your mother's egg and therefore was determined that your sex would be male that said male was predestined to become a violent sexual predator suggesting that by being born male you'll have no other choice but to be a sexist misogynistic pig Unless you have lessons that have been ordered by a government body, it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. And if we hammer that message home to boys, if we continue this nonsense narrative of toxic masculinity, we are just making 
that case for mental health worse and worse and worse. And boys are going to grow up to be terrified young men, too frightened to do anything, too frightened to be the men that they were born and created to be. And that's just not right. And so there's an awful lot of um, there's an awful lot of information out there with regards to homeschooling your kids. I'm not necessarily suggesting that that's something you should do because life is hard enough as it is. Now, I'm sure there are many of us out there that if we could, we would be at home homeschooling our kids. And I'm sure there are many people out there that would turn and say, if it's something you really wanted to do, you just find a way. Look, I'm not one of those people. I do not want to be one of those people that's going to just turn around to you and tell you, I've mentioned it in previous episodes, I'm not going to turn around to you and tell you that it's just, you know, everything's doable. It's just your fault if you don't get it done. You know, yes, there's some certain truth to that, but we also operate in reality. But you do need to be paying attention to what is going on in your child's school. You need to be paying attention to what they're teaching them. You need to be paying attention to what's on the curriculum. You need to be asking some very searching questions of their teachers and of the school boards if necessary. I don't necessarily know if it's happening in this country quite so much, but certainly in America, you are seeing a rise of certain reading material in school libraries that really isn't appropriate for kids of those ages. Um, I saw a video of a pastor addressing a school board in America where he read to the school board one of the books that was in their school library, and this book was sexually explicit. Um, and as he was reading it to the school board, the school board were getting very uncomfortable with what he was reading and continued to ask him to stop. And in the end, he turned around and said to them, why do you want me to stop? If it's too uncomfortable for you to hear it, then it shouldn't be in the school library for kids to read it. You need to be paying attention to what the schools are teaching your kids and be prepared to ask those very searching and very difficult questions to the teachers, to the head teacher, to the school board if necessary, maybe even to your local councillor. We need to be paying attention. We really do. And not only that, but we also need to recognise that one of my biggest issues here, and it's been an issue that I've had ever since COVID, to be perfectly honest, is that we capitulated and have done for some time now our power as the people over to the government. Our government seems to have forgotten that they work for us. It's not the other way around. OK, we vote them into power. Now, I'm not suggesting that we should rise up and start a revolution, although maybe it's not necessarily a bad idea. But they have forgotten that they are voted into power by us, the people. OK, so really think about that when you next go to use your vote. <clears throat> you may have been brought up in a family that's vote, vote conservative and you just follow in the footsteps of what your parents have done. You may be in a family that's just voted Labour and following the footsteps of what your parents have done. You may not be interested in politics at all. And quite frankly, I'm not that interested in it either myself because they're all a bunch of idiots who just, you know, sit in the House of Commons and just, you know, constantly give a lot of verbal abuse backwards and forwards to each other and think it's amusing. And if they're not doing that, they're, the backbenchers are asleep on your taxpayers' money, by the way. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, think about that. But there is a time when you need to pay attention to politics. There is a time, particularly when elections are coming up, when you need to think about, well, what are their policies with regards to schooling? What is their policies around what they're teaching my kids? Because 
your vote does matter and you could use it to change certain outcomes and certain courses of things. So just pay attention to what is going on in your kids' lives. And listen, don't leave the job of teaching the boys in your life, the boys who are going to become the next generation of young men. Don't leave it to the schools to be teaching them how to become those men. It is your job as their father. It is your job as a positive male role model in their life to teach them how to become decent young men. Let's not be afraid to teach our boys that it's okay for them to be men. There is a great video by Jordan Peterson where he's asked the question, is it okay to be a man? And he responds, it's not okay. It's necessary. And I urge you to go and find that video because he goes on to explain it far more eloquently than I can. Why that is so important. So don't forget how important your role is as a father or as a positive male role model in a young man's life. Okay. Set that example and show them and teach them that it's okay to be a man. Okay, awesome. I'm gonna close it there. But what I am also gonna say is, again, apologies it's taken so long to get this episode out to you guys, um, and hopefully moving forward, I will be more consistent, okay? Um, I mentioned in this episode that uh, there are a, it's basically a series of podcasts now that I would like to um, start, and it's gonna be called What Makes a Man? Um, and so I'm putting an invite out there to anybody that is listening to me and that could be, it could also go out to women as well, because it would be interesting to get, um, you know, a woman's point of view on what they think it takes to make a man or what they expect from men, whether that's in relationships, whether that's at work, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But anyway, I'm putting this invitation out there to any of any of the listeners out there. If you would like to come on a podcast with me so we could have a conversation around what makes a man. I would really appreciate it. I think it would be great. As you know, I've already had my friend um, Viking Sam on. We did a great episode. We are hoping to get another episode out to you guys at some point soon. Um, but Sam is very busy at the moment with um, he's studying for his aeronautical engineering um, uh, degree, um, which, you know, is just incredible and awesome. I know how hard that guy works. Um, and so it, you know, make no mistake, he he's really he's really moving the needle in his life. Um, so you know, hopefully, he and I will get the opportunity to um, sit down and do an episode around what makes a man, and, and maybe we'll cover some bits and pieces around his, you know, his study, his work life balance, whatever. Um, but that's what I want to do going forward. Um, a set of a set of podcasts and series of podcasts called What Makes a Man, um, and it would be really interesting to get some some of your guys takes on it so you know look if you're interested most of you know how to get in contact with me um if not you can get in contact with me via the um podcast uh email which will be in the show notes but listen thanks for listening um i hope you've enjoyed this episode um as always take from it what you will just the thoughts of a bearded man thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode like the content of this podcast would like to know how you can support me to get this out to more listeners do so by leaving me a five-star rating and review liking and subscribing and sharing this podcast with your own circle of friends and family